Have you ever dated someone who was really wrong for you? So do you want me to just like list all of the ways I would describe him? Yeah, sure. So Jimmy was an illegal immigrant from El Salvador who worked at the pasta station of an Italian restaurant in the mall. He did not speak a single word of English. He was a raging drunk. Is that it? He was also in a gang. He was a gang member. Hear how she eventually got him out of her life. And so they sent this sweet cop to my house, was desperate to get him to stay. And I was like, he's illegal. He's got a fake social. My heart is beating. So my name is Lena, <laughs> and who are you? I'm Andrea. And who am I to you? You're my best friend <laughs> from my whole life, from my childhood on. This is YOY. I'm Andrea Salenzi. In this episode, another Andrea is going to share her story. Don't get confused. When he was like, I'm going back to Andrea, and she said, no, never, and she killed him. <laughs> Doing the interview is my friend Lena. You might remember her from the story about the guy who wouldn't stop drunk dialing her. She's going to be our guide this story. Thanks, Lena. This story is awesome and terrifying because it feels so familiar. Like something I would have done when I was 19. I grew up in the suburbs. I got bored when the summers got hot, and I met my share of sketchy dudes at summer jobs. There was the corndog guy who was on his high school's wrestling team. There was the waiter who loved Daft Punk. There was something that stopped me, though from ever taking things too far, quite as far as the story does today. It all starts at an Italian restaurant in the mall. Okay, so for anyone who's not from like the suburbs of every major city, what is Amagiano's? Maggiano's is an amazing Italian semi-casual, semi-formal restaurant that's owned by the same people who own Chili's. And there's like 50 locations and they just have, you know, Italian food at reasonable prices. But I think their food's pretty good. Today we're at Cumberland Mall at one of the best Italian restaurants in the country. Welcome to Maggiano's. Hi, thanks, man. I love this place. You know that. It's my wife's birthday dinner. I'm out here, here at Maggiano's. This is our bar lounge area. This is where people come for a great drink, martini, great glass of wine, great appetizers, or a full service meal. Now, isn't there this one big platter that you have? A bombalina platter. Fried zucchini, our barbecue spinach dip al forno, stuffed mushrooms, bruschetta, and our onion strings. Anyway, we're going to go in. Let me give you a shot of the front real quick. There's the uh, fountain. It's right in the parking lot. A little pricey. That's why my parents are paying, because it's a little pricey. So, uh, that's what it looks like. Please come visit any of our Maggiano's locations nationwide. My memory of first working at that place is that for the first time in my life, I realized my own, I don't want to say sexuality because that's so cliche, but like I realized the effect that I could have on older men in a way that I never would have been introduced to before because we just didn't have access to to older men. We were in high school, we did theater after school, and like we went to dance class still. And all of a sudden, 
when we were 16, we were going to work after school with like full grown adults. Yeah. Looking back, I definitely think that people that are still in high school shouldn't work at restaurants just because it's a completely different world. And I agree. Like I had never felt like, especially paid attention to in my high school by guys. And suddenly you're like fresh meat at a restaurant, which is probably true of any woman of any age that is new at any restaurant. But for me and you, we were like, oh, guys like us. Cool. I'm great. Let's do this. And like bless some of their hearts. But I got to say, looking back on it, it's like mostly shitty men. It's men in their like late 20s and 30s and 40s even who like for for some people like this is the job that they have to pay for their family and for some people they just never got it together they like never made a bigger picture plan they never went to college or like they were in community college and also working at this restaurant but I definitely feel like looking back a lot of at a lot of the attention I was getting it was from dudes that now I would never ever ever talk to no absolutely not I worked there for five years. I started when I was a junior in high school and finished high school there as a, as a um, carry-out girl. And then when I turned 18, I could serve. I could wait tables. And I did that on and off for four more years until I graduated college. But I would just come back over one month of winter break and like two months of summer break. So I was on and off. They actually had to rehire me twice. Did you feel like you had a community in that restaurant? Well, yeah. I mean, once I be went off to college and came back and I was like a cool adult, I could like really hang with the older people and feel like I wasn't like an imposter anymore. I actually was just like a shithead that worked at a restaurant. I was one of them. But do you do you really look back and think that you were one of the shitheads? I mean, I had a lot of fun working with them and I don't especially think like I was better than any of them. So, yeah, I mean, I were I they were my friends. I hung out with them after work. I introduced them to my friends from college and high school and I dated a few of them. So, yeah, I was one of them for sure. So it's summer after my freshman year and we've all come back from our different colleges to to go back home to where we're from for the summer. And um, what's going on in your life at this point? Well, I went back to working at Maggiano's right away. It was great money. It was amazing money. I, I'm sure you remember from working in, in restaurants as a server compared to our friends who were, you know, lifeguards at swimming pools. We were making a ton of money. So I worked a whole lot of shifts and it was great because it was fun for me. And I would go out after work and like party with all the different servers. So that's basically my summer. When you're working at a restaurant, what is the relationship between the front of house and the back of house? All right. Well, I'm going to tell this from my perspective, which is a like cutesy little white girl who wears glasses and everyone compares to the younger daughter on Modern Family. Okay. That's like, I am not like a sexy woman. I think one of the greatest physical assets I have is just how adorable I am. And there's all of these Central American immigrants working in the back of the house in the kitchen making all the food, including the executive chefs and the sous chefs who are running the kitchen, but also the line cooks. And I spoke fluent Spanish, almost fluent, because I had studied it all through like high school and college. And I was really interested in traveling and I had been to Spain once already. So I think the fact that I was young and sort of new there and so cute and fluent in Spanish. I just had this flirtatious relationship 
with a lot of the guys in the kitchen. And at first it was great. To my benefit, it just gave me free food all the time. They would just give me whatever I wanted. Not just pasta. I'm talking like prime rib, whatever I wanted. That summer, for some reason, the the chef in the pasta station started like paying extra attention to me. And it was great. I loved it. I ate up every second of it. So I started flirting with him back. And when I say flirting back, I mean saying like, thank you in a cutesy voice when he would hand me a pasta dish. So what did, what does that thank you sound like? Thanks. I don't know. I can't even remember. I can't even remember. Because I can't, I, I just don't flirt anymore. So I don't remember what it's like. So you've developed this rapport with the back of house where like, in my memory, it's mostly men. Like there might be a couple women that make the salads and the desserts, but everyone else who works back there is a, is like a Spanish speaking, like a native Spanish speaking man. And you've developed this rapport with most of them. So there was one in particular that stood out to you. And I'm wondering how that started. Like, like how did you and he first start interacting? I honestly think it's just because he had really big eyes that I noticed him looking at me. I'm sure all the other men were looking at me as they look at all the women that walk through the kitchen to pick up their food. It's not like there was anything special about me, but he would just look at me and he had really big eyes. So I think I was like drawn to the eyes. I always used to bring the chef's water. It was forbidden, which is ridiculous because it's like 110 degrees back there. And I would bring them cups of water in little plastic kitty cups with straws, but I would bring Jimmy like lemonade or something special to let him know like oh I noticed I think it was honestly orange Fanta I was like oh I noticed you like orange soda like here isn't that thoughtful of me and so after a while he would ask me like what do you want to eat and he would give it to me at the end of the shift so one night I was just like bold because I'm just a bold lady and I said do you need a ride home and at this moment did you know where home was for him did you know anything about any part of his life No, I had literally never talked to him except to say thank you for the pasta and here's your orange Fanta. And suddenly I was like doing that thing you do when you're 19 and flirting with someone and basically being like, hey, you want to hang out? And what did he do? Oh, yeah. He said, yeah, I can definitely use a ride home. Use a ride home. Wait, and this is all in Spanish? Of course. And now I can't really like relive each moment in Spanish because I haven't spoken Spanish in so many years. It's really easy to lose if you're not practicing every day. But yeah, he he did not speak a single word of English, which I, I mean, a lot of the chefs back there spoke a little bit of English, just a few words from working in kitchens for years and years. But my special Jimmy did not speak a single word of English. So... Yeah, all of this is, transaction is happening in Spanish. So he said yes, and I said, okay, I'll drive you home after work. So after work, after most shifts at restaurants, you have to like fold napkins and roll um, place settings for the next day. And I was doing that with all the front of house servers. And Jimmy comes out of the kitchen and like, you know, is throwing his apron over his shoulder and is like, I'm ready, let's go. And I just remember thinking like, oh, I'm hot shit. Look at me. I'm like, I mean, this is like delusional, but I was like, I'm going on like a date. At this point, what were you even interested in? in? Because all you knew we was... Had, that- we had been flirting back and forth for several days or weeks. And it's like either that can turn into nothing or one of us has to be like, hey, do you want to like go like 
have a cigarette in the back alley or like, do you need a ride home? Like it's either not going to go anywhere and be done. The flirtation was just nothing and it's over. Or one of the people has to make a move. So that was my move. But did you like, did you think he was cute? Did you go home and think about him before this one night? Oh yeah. Like the way he looked at me and the way I offered him Fanta was just so tantalizing. I mean, it really was, you know, like when you're flirting with someone, everything you do, you like squeal in delight that like that was probably a great flirt move right there. So yeah, I was doing it on purpose. I was trying to like I guess, like, hook up or hang out. I really can't remember. I wasn't like, this man is going to be my husband. But I was, like, bored. I was 19. It was the summertime. It was hot outside. You know, what else are you going to do? Okay, so he comes out of the kitchen. His apron is flung over his shoulder. You think you're hot shit. And then what happens? So we walked to my car, and he told me he lived in Pimmit, which is sort of near my house. It's And it's, like, between the, where we worked and my house. Describe for the listener not from Northern Virginia what... What Pimmit, because Pimmit means something to me and you. What does it mean to, what does it mean? It's an area in Northern Virginia that's got really nice stores lining the main road, like honey baked ham and Whole Foods and a fancy running shoe store. But behind those stores are like the entire Hispanic population of our county. So it's a lot of like garden garden style apartments that are three stories, old brick buildings that are just crammed full of families that are immigrant families. And it's do you think it qualifies as low income housing? Um, I'm sure that there are tenants there that definitely are on low income housing. Okay. Okay, so you so you go out to the parking lot. Yeah, so we get in the car and we're driving home and I'm making like awesome chit chat in Spanish just getting to know him like where are you from he said he was from El Salvador he asked where I was from and I said I was from right here in northern Virginia and it's not a long ride so then we're at the parking lot of his apartment complex and he said you know turn here okay this is my building and then we did that cutesy thing that everyone does when they're like about to like make out where like no one wants to leave the car and you know you're fiddling with the keys in your hand or whatever and then we just like I don't know one thing led to another and we started making out so we were making out in the car and it was like totally like innocent nothing else happened than that and then he's like okay I gotta go like it, it, I don't know it lasted for like 10 minutes or whatever and then he got out of the car And he left and he's like, okay, I'll see you at work tomorrow. And I was like beaming and he was beaming and we both had like hearts around our head and it was great. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And then, um, well, the way you've described it to me before is like you guys made out in the car and then you were his girlfriend. Like it was a very one, two kind of a thing. I'm sure that before I got there, he had told every single employee of the entire company that, like, we made out and, like, I'm so hot and, like, isn't he the man? And everyone, like, high-fived him and said, no fucking way. There's no way that that, like, gringa made out with you. Um, And then I got to work and I was, like, blushing from ear to ear, like, bright red every time I saw him. And it was, like, obvious that he actually was telling the truth. So... From, from then on, like, I wasn't hiding it. Like, I was happy. I thought, like, I was awesome for, like, getting this guy to like me. I don't know. It was great. It felt great. So that whole week, I drove him home every night that we had worked together. And literally a week later, 
we were hanging out and he said, um, te amo, which means I love you. But for the listeners who may remember from the Taco Bell ad campaign, the like, te quiero Taco Bell, I like didn't understand if there's a difference between te amo and te quiero or if that even mattered and if I had even heard right because there was a lot lost in translation. So I made him repeat it and he was like, I love you. Like, he, <laughs> he like translated it for me in English. <laughs> he said, I love you. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, great. I'm glad you like clarified that for me. So, Did you say it back? No. I was like, oh, thanks. And I probably just like made out with him some more. But it was shocking to me because I had dated someone in high school for almost three full years. And I did say I love you to him. We I don't remember I don't remember how long it took, but it was definitely more than a week. And every person I've ever known has told me it's taken months or even years for them to say I love you to their significant other. But this was just like, oh well you love me and I'm your girlfriend now. So let's do this. So the whole rest of the summer we were like inseparable. And my parents are really cool. They've never been the type to say, this is the type of man we expect you to be with. Or you are forbidden from doing these activities. I mean, they let me work at a restaurant, for Christ's sake. So, like, they were very trusting of my judgment. And I, I think I said, like, oh, I, I have a boyfriend now. I met him at work. His name's Jimmy. And I didn't say right away, like, oh, he cannot communicate with you because he doesn't speak English. But after a while, when they when they asked me, like, oh, where is he from? Like, what does he do? And I said he was a chef in the back and he was from El Salvador. I think they put the pieces together. Um, they weren't, like, thrilled, but they definitely held their tongue, unlike what some other parents might do in a similar situation. But I guess they're just the kind that want their kids to learn on their own one way or the other. You've been listening to YOY on WFMU. We're hearing Andrea, a totally different Andrea telling her friend Lena about the guy she dated when she was 19 in the summer before college. Before any of you judge any of the decisions she's going to make in this episode, please take a moment to remember what it's like to be 19 in the summertime. And tell me about it. I met Andreas Lenzi on Twitter and reading your tweets right now. So it continues. One day he was at my house. My parents were out of town on vacation and he was at my house. I never brought him around when they were there. And everything was fine, in my opinion. And then he got really upset and really sad and was like, I need to go. I'm going to walk home. And that's like four miles. So that's pretty far. And I was like, what's going on? And he was like crying, but not telling me what he was so upset about. And so he, I remember this distinctly, like out of a scene from a movie. He was halfway down my street. Like he actually left my house to walk home all sad, slowly. Obviously, he wanted me to stop him. <laughs> and I reach him, and he turns around, and he's like, let's go in the house. I have to talk to you. So we went back into my house, and he sat me down, and he said, I just want you to know that when we first started dating, I was dating someone else. And it's, like, weighing heavily on me, although he didn't say it so beautifully. And I said, okay, well, like, are you still dating her? And he's like, no, no, absolutely not. But we were living together. And I was like, what? And I can't remember the word for it in Spanish. But then he was like, yeah, we were married. 
but now we're not anymore and she's not living with me it doesn't matter and I love you but I just feel bad because I haven't told you and that's what I'm so upset about and I'm not good enough for you and you should leave me and he's crying and I'm crying because I'm shocked and I'm upset and I'm jealous and I feel like I've been cheated on but I'm also like wait are we breaking up or are you saying that you choose me and if so like isn't that just so great like I didn't have a backbone I guess I had never really had that like Beyonce empowered woman moment where I was like this is unacceptable I am not like someone that you can mess around with you're out of my life forever like I hope I would do that now if someone that I was dating secretly had a wife and then sprung it on me But then I was weak and stupid and an idiot and I didn't care at all except about the fact that he chose me. That's what I latched onto and that's what I accepted as my truth. And he was like very happy that I didn't dump him. I guess he was expecting me to dump him. But like an idiot, I didn't dump him. I have this really distinct memory of... I introduced Jimmy to my friends, my good friends from my extremely well-to-do Northern Virginia high school. And he was nervous because he was like, I don't speak English. Like, what am I going to talk about with these people? And I was like, oh, no, we've all taken Spanish class. It's fine. They'll communicate with you. And it was like so incredibly awkward because like my friends were all nice and they were like, Oh, it's so nice to meet you. De donde eres? Like, you know, trying really hard to use their limited Spanish to communicate with this guy that I was like beaming from ear to ear about. And I'm sure in their heads they were like, what the fuck is my friend doing? She is like in college. She has like a like future ahead of her. Why is she with this guy? And so after that, I did not bring him around my friends at all. It was really easy to keep it separate because... He, I, he wasn't a part of our friend group, so I would just hang out with him alone. Or if I wanted to hang out with my, my other friends, I would just hang out with them. I, like, never intermingled them again. Well, so one of the things I wanted to tell you today is that we all did judge the, the decision. Right, and I knew that after we broke up because I talked to you and our other friend Nicole and probably the other girls too, but, like, you verbally said and my other friends have said in hindsight what no friend can say when you're just so happy. I mean, if you're so happy, it's not any of your friend's job to like, basically. This is barely a sympathetic thing to say, but it feels so bad knowing that your issue with your close or best friend's boyfriend is that he's not good enough for her. Because like the, like, the gauge I was using to decide whether he was good enough for you was that he didn't speak English and that he didn't come from like a rich family like you do and that he didn't he like was working a blue collar job when you were going to college to end up working a white collar job like the things that I was judging about him are things that on paper I think are bullshit and that I don't want to pay attention to in people but I remember having this like visceral reaction to him of he's totally not good enough for her why doesn't she know that Like I said, I stopped bringing him around my group of college-educated friends. And I think a part of it was just like, I can keep that part of my life separate. This is not a part of that life. 
but he was my boyfriend. So it's confusing. I really don't know what was going through my mind. I'm pretty sure that summer I spent more time with him than with my other friends because I just chose to. I just chose to compartmentalize my life and I only uh, hung out with him. I mean, I had been single for two years and I don't know if this has anything to do with it really, but the fact that I was really overweight in high school and then had lost all that weight and suddenly like actually saw myself as desirable and now someone was desiring me, I was just like blindly excited about it. Not Never once while it was happening did I think this person isn't right for me. But no one does. Who does? I think it is relevant that you had been overweight in high school though and I can't put my finger on exactly why. It's because I was desperate for attention and that's why I overlooked every single jarring and obvious and flashing red light flaw because I finally had a boyfriend. Now, Jimmy wasn't just a summer fling for Andrea. It's going to continue after she leaves for college. They even talked about marriage a few times. I remember Googling in like 07 how to get a green card for spouse here illegally. Now let's recap everything that's messed up about this situation so far. It's a lot. So Jimmy was an illegal immigrant from El Salvador who worked at the pasta station of an Italian restaurant in the mall. He did not speak a single word of English. He was a raging drunk and I found out was actually doing coke to stay awake through double shifts and all the alcohol. He was actually married and living with a woman, but when the day he met me and decided to start dating me, and I found out later was cheating on me with her throughout the whole course of our relationship. I mean, there's so many other ways to describe him. He had like an elementary school level education. He could barely read and write. It's not like I chose the guy who was from El Salvador who didn't speak English. He was like secretly a philosophical poet. Like he just didn't have a very big vocabulary. So that was my wonderful ex-boyfriend in a nutshell. You're missing my favorite part. What what did he do when he lived in El Salvador? Oh, right. Okay. He was also in a gang. He was a gang member. And when he told me, the way I found out was like I had always heard of a very prominent gang in the Northern Virginia area, and I think across the whole United States, called MS-13, which is a notoriously violent gang that comes from El Salvador. And he always used to love the number 18, DAC Ocho, which is not the same as 13, obviously. And I didn't understand why, and he told me that he wanted to get a tattoo. He didn't have any tattoos. And it was like hands praying with the number 18, like superimposed over them. And I was like, what is the significance? And he was like, Calle Dieciocho, or whatever the name of the gang was. And I looked it up, and he was like, I was like, that's a gang. And he's like, yeah, in where I'm from in El Salvador, if you're a man, if you're like a young boy male, and you, you're not in the gang, like, you're, in, you're at risk. He said, like, you're either in a gang in where he lives, or you're at risk. So everyone had some gang that they were part of. And I had a lot of questions because I, had, I, I was really interested in like immigration issues in the United States. I had volunteered on the U.S.-Mexico border with an immigration organization. And like I knew a lot about like the former gang member experience. And to me, it was just like brutal gang rape and like murder and all that shit and I asked him like 
I literally think I said to him, like, did you rape someone? Because I just feel like a lot of people in gangs did that. And he was like, no, but I like watched as like I, my job was like telling counting the time. As other guys did. Because I like didn't want to. And like, I don't believe that now. And there are so many more stories that you still haven't even heard about Jimmy's ex. The big bomb dropped on our relationship on New Year's Eve. So I was supposed to go to Boston with my family for Christmas week, but that plan fell through because my parents work and it's hard. It's just hard to go up that week. And I was excited instead of like sad. Oh, I'm missing Boston during Christmas time. I was happy because my boyfriend had invited me to a party on New Year's Eve and now I could go. So I drove us to a party about a half hour south at his one of his cousin's houses. It was just a little house party. There was like reggaeton music playing and beer flowing and Christmas decorations everywhere. And it was all in Spanish. And he got really, really drunk, which he was wont to do. And I was completely sober because I drove. And on the drive home, at the party, he was acting a little weird. Like he was miffed about something. And I was completely unaware of what it could be. Because he was also having a great time. He was dancing because I found out later he was like coked up. And he was all energetic and his crazy eyes were like in full-blown crazy eye mode. So in the car right on the way home, it's about a half hour, my phone starts ringing and it's a number that's not saved in my phone. And I, I look at the phone and Jimmy, like, as though he was waiting for the call, like leapt over the center console and took the phone out of my hand and answered it in Spanish. But I'm almost completely fluent at this point because I had only been speaking Spanish to him for so long. I was really good. And I heard him talking and I knew it was his ex. By the way, it was her. He used her name. He was talking to her in like a calm voice. Like he was telling her, like, calm down. It's okay. I'll be there soon. And I was like confused and upset. And my heart's racing. And we're going like eight, 70 miles an hour up 95 north. And I'm like, what is it? What's wrong? And he's like, oh, that was my ex. Um, you need to drive me to her house. I'm like, excuse me? And he's like, oh, yeah. Um, She's really, she's sick. She's sick. And she needs my help. Drive me to her house. And I was like, fuck that. She has like family and friends. And no, it's New Year's Eve. So he was like, drive me to her house. And I said, no. So we get to his apartment and he happens to live across the street from hers. And when I say street, I mean like a a four, what is it? A six lane highway. And he, I parked the car and I'm yelling at him and I'm like upset. And I'm like, why are you talking to her? Why did she call my phone? Well, she called my phone because his phone was at, was shut off. He didn't pay the bill. So his phone was just not working. And I cannot believe that he gave her my phone as an alternative where you can reach me number. That's what he did. So she called. So the second I parked the car in front of his apartment, he bolts. He jumps out of the car and literally bolts across a three-lane major highway across the Honey Baked Ham store, across Whole Foods, through two stoplights, and he's just, like, gone. And I was still in the driver's seat, so I, turn, like, turn the car around, and I'm following him, and I can see him in my high beams until a point when he literally dashes across someone's front lawn and, like, 
jumps over someone's chain link fence and remember he's wasted and then he's gone and what can I do I mean I'm not gonna like drive my car through someone's fucking fence so I'm just sitting there like crying panicked thinking like what is going on like I I hadn't realized that they were still talking closely enough to the point that he would run to her if she's sick so I had no choice. I couldn't just wait there in the street. So I went back to his apartment. I had the key. I went inside and I'm waiting. And for the next like three hours, I called her cell phone number back from mine and no one picks up, obviously. And in my delusional mind, I actually devised this story where he went there to check on her because she was ill or was pretending to be ill. And when he showed up, she wouldn't let him leave. And then she killed him in like a passionate fight when he was like, I'm going back to Andrea. And she said, no, never. And she killed him. (laughs) But that's like my dumbass thinking this. So I fall asleep crying. (laughs) Thinking that he might be dead. Right, but also thinking, like, he's probably not dead. He's probably having fun over there. Either or. Either either scenario is pretty distressing. So, in the morning, I wake up early because I'm upset. I had a very fitful sleep. And um, in the, in the apartment where Jimmy lived, just a few apartments down, his uncle and aunt and all, a few cousins lived in another building. And I had spent a lot of time there. I hung out there a lot over the last half year. So I went over there, like, panicked, saying, Jimmy's at his ex's. Do you think that she, like, hurt him in any way? He's not answering the phone. And they all looked at me like, oh, poor, poor dear girl. No, they're, like, seeing each other. Didn't you know that? And I'm like, what? Like, obviously, they basically confirmed my worst fear. And I'm like, if you knew that and you saw me here yesterday, why didn't you tell me that? But I guess it's like, you know, it's not their business to deal with him and his multiple girlfriends. So devastated, I went back to his apartment where I gathered my things. And that's when his gorgeous landlord sat me down. I was bawling. And he had heard me all night long, like screaming into the phone, crying, pacing around because at the same time I'm like should I go home should I go to my parents house I was mortified it was like this is everything I would never want to have to admit to my parents happened because they didn't know I was even there I had come up so many times over the last six months without telling them that I just was used to not telling them anymore so um after the gorgeous landlord told me like I deserve better and I'll get over this and I'm better than him I left and I went home to my parents house and I told them everything that had happened and I said I'm only telling you this because I want to make sure that I never go back to him and I need like the whole world to know what a what an idiot I was for dating him because I would I want you all to know I'm just putting it out there does that make sense Mm -hmm. And my mom was, like, so mad at him and so upset for me. You know, her baby was heartbroken. I came over to your house that day. You were... Well, I, like, couldn't eat for a few days because I was just, like, shocked at the manner in which I found out that I had been cheated on. I I don't know what it would feel like because I've never been cheated on before or since. I don't know what it would feel like to sort of hear it through the grapevine or have your significant other sit you down and be like... I just want you to know, like, I don't think I can date you anymore because I, like, have been seeing this other person. But I literally 
found out because I watched him scale a fence to get away from me to run to her. And I just, I don't know, maybe I'm just being a little like self-centered, but I feel like that's worse in a way. And you were laying on your mother's bed, like belly down, and you were just like heaving and like pounding your fist. And your mom was sitting on one side and I was sitting on the other side. And she looked at me and she said, you never liked him, did you? To you? Mm Mm-hmm. And I don't even know. You must have not even like you were in the room, but you must have not even registered. And I I shook my head. No. And she said, no, me neither. And it was like your mom loves me and I love your mom. But your mom and I never talk about me, you or like we never talk about like we never look back on stuff. She just like asks me how I'm doing. And like your mom gives me twenty dollars and like your mom like pours me water or whatever. But we like it was the only it (laughs) it was probably the only time we've ever acknowledged like something more serious than just like how how is college going for you right now? I don't know. Like this yeah. isn't my story at all, but it's like a cool moment that like your mom and I acknowledge at the same time. Like, oh yeah, we've both never liked this guy. This is the most maddening part of this story for me, how the friends and family never truly intervened. But that was it. It was over. They broke up. And he was just like begging me to take him back, saying he made this big mistake. He's so sorry. And I was just like, you can't, you've ruined it. Like you ruined it. You're such a fucking idiot. I was the best thing that ever happened to you. And you literally threw me away. And that was like your chance at having like an awesome, amazing life. You're an idiot. Just kidding. She obviously forgave him. And the story continues for the rest of YOY. So by February, we were dating again. I had forgiven him. I think I have a really short memory when it comes to people wronging me, and I just love to forgive and forget, and that's what I did with him. Now they start seeing each other again. And at this point, it's like, what could ever break them up? Heroin? Having her car stolen? Bestiality? No, it took the help of another woman. It was the weekend of Valentine's Day, and it became clear that he was still seeing both Andrea and the ex. I keep saying his ex, but it was his other girlfriend. And we had a like half hour long conversation where we finally just told each other everything. Wait, are you pissed at her for calling you? Is she looking for you or for him? For me. It's so weird. I really My memories are so hazy of what happened up leading up to the phone call like whenever he would leave my site to say I'm gonna go buy a carton of milk I would not trust him and I would I guess contact her or I did at that point or she contacted me one of those things happened and we were contacting each other that day because he was acting like a shithead over Valentine's Day weekend and so I called her or she called me and we finally had this really honest talk with each other where we were like just so you know since New Year's Eve since that horrible debacle he has been calling me begging me for forgiveness begging me to take him back and telling me he's not seeing you anymore and we were both saying that to each other so we were just laying everything out on the line finally making everything transparent and it was such a, you know, horrible conversation, but I wasn't like bawling anymore. I guess I'm my dry heaving was done at that point. Maybe I knew that the the relationship was destined to fail anyway, but she said to me and I said to her like I really hope you don't keep seeing him. Not because I want him, but because he's an idiot and he doesn't deserve either of us. And we agreed that he shouldn't be with either of us, that we deserve better than him. So I hung up the phone and I went in the house and I was, I'm sure I was upset for like a little bit longer, but I went back to school and I just didn't think about him anymore. 
we, like, I finally had to tell him, like, I'm done seeing you. Please stop calling me. Well, he did not stop calling me. He continued to call me and text me, but I was two hours away and he did not know where my school was. He did not know how to use Google. He didn't know the name of my school because the words were too Englishy and he just didn't know where I was. I'm sure if he knew where I was, he would have come, but he didn't know. So I finished that whole school year and I go back home and it's summertime after my sophomore year and I'm terrified to go back to the restaurant where we met because I don't want to see him anymore. But he took care of that for me because like the irresponsible jackass that he is, he got fired for showing up to work drunk or not showing up to work or whatever he had done. And so he didn't work there anymore. So that was great for me. So I kept working there, kept making money and didn't date anyone from the restaurant or elsewhere I was just single and happy and he continued to pester me and he would like sometimes come to the restaurant after after hours it was like sort of scary it was getting scary because he also continued to drink a lot and do a lot of coke and I distinctly remember having my friends over my real true friends came over to my house for a barbecue one night that following summer and Jimmy was just calling me off the hook, leaving these insane voicemails. And I wish I still had them, but the phone is long gone. Where he was like in a car that was clearly driving with the windows down, like 80 miles an hour. But I don't think he was driving because he doesn't have a car. And there was like reggaeton blasting. And he was screaming in Spanish, I'm coming to your house right now. I'm coming. And he was like listing the names of street signs that he could see. And he was like attempting to say them in English. So I like really felt that he was close. It was like menacing. So I was terrified and I told everyone to leave my house because I was having a cute little summer party and I made them leave and I called the cops instead. And I told them, "Um, my crazy ex-boyfriend is threatening to hurt me. Can you please come? I'm scared. And so they sent this sweet cop to my house. He's like a young kid. And he like got out and he's like, is everything okay? And I was like, yeah, it is now, but it might not be like my crazy ex-boyfriend is anywhere around here. And I, I want you to stay and protect me. And he was like, that's not what we do. Like we're not a secret service or a private security company. I'm sorry. And so like, as he was leaving, I like was desperate to get him to stay. And I was like, he's illegal. He's got a fake social. He's a gang member. Like, I was trying to do anything to make that. He, like, didn't give a shit. Like, thankfully, Jimmy never came to my house that night. But I was scared. I think I told a few of my friends to stay who sort of were, knew a little bit about what was going on. But I was mortified. I was so embarrassed that that was my ex that I would rather them leave and me get murdered by my crazy ex alone than, like, have them see me with this idiot who was my ex-boyfriend. So he never came, thank God, but he did continue to call me and um, less and less over time and his phone number would change because he had like prepaid cell phones that when he ran out of money, he would just change his phone. So I would block all the numbers that would call me, but after a while, I just couldn't keep up with how many phones were calling me. So I just stopped answering unknown numbers and my junior year of school rolled around and I studied abroad. It was great. I went to Europe for like six months. And when I left the country, I turned my phone off. And, and in those days, I don't know about now, if your phone is off for that long, 
when you come back and you turn it on, there's no messages waiting for you. Like AT&T just knew that I wasn't in the country or something and they I didn't have any messages waiting for me, which I was a little disappointed about. So I like bounded into the house, turned on my cell phone and there were no messages, but I realized it wasn't me. It was just AT&T. Like there's no way I could have zero messages from six months. So I just figured they were all wiped. And then I'm in the bedroom with my mom unpacking, telling her about all my amazing stories and the phone rings and I don't know who it is, but I figure, oh, maybe my phone's been wiped and I don't have the numbers and I pick up and it's Jimmy. I've, I've been in my home for about 15 minutes in the country for about two hours and I turn my phone on and it's him and it has been two years since we broke up. And, and he's like, Andrea? And I'm like, not expecting that, but I knew the voice. And I was just like, stop calling me. And I hung up the phone and I was immediately upset again. So he continued to call me and badger me all throughout that next year. And I had to block him from Gmail. I, I, I filtered all his emails to trash. And then... um. Every time I would come home to work at the restaurant over summer or winter, I would be scared I'd see him, but he had gotten himself permanently fired from the restaurant, so I didn't have to deal with that anymore. How should we keep going? You changed your phone number. Oh, yeah. So my senior year of college rolls around, and I am, like, so far removed from this memory of dating this guy because it has been three years And a lot can change in three years. I mean, I think besides my relationship with him and my future, my desires for future relationships, I just changed as a person. I grew. I got really interested in volunteering and social justice and sort of had like a vision of my future. And it had nothing to do with who I was when I was 19. But I think a lot of people can say that by the time they're ready to graduate college. And in my final year of school, I met the man of my dreams, who I'm still with today, and I love very much. And I told him everything about this guy. I told him everything about Jimmy. Because I did, I mean, there was no reason to keep it a secret. At this point, it was sort of funny. It's like, oh, my crazy ex, he calls me sometimes. It's really annoying, and I hate it. And um, so my boyfriend, Sean, would sleep at my house in college, and Every once in a while in the middle of the night, my phone would ring and it would be Jimmy and I would block those numbers, but he would call me from his other friends' phones and I just couldn't keep blocking them. I ended up getting an iPhone in 2009 when everyone was getting them and I couldn't block the number. It just wasn't a function at the time. It was like the first generation. For some reason, you couldn't block numbers. So I had no choice but to let the phone ring in the middle of the night. And one night, the phone rang like four times. And that was just the last straw because I was ridiculous. I was with the man who I am sure I'm going to marry. And this idiot from almost four years ago is still calling me. How is that even possible? How how can you even want to talk? What would we talk about? What would we talk about at 4 a.m.? After four years. Well, that's a great question. Do you have any idea? Well, so he was emailing you. You blocked the emails. He would call you. You would you would block the numbers. Do you have any idea what he wanted from you? In one of the last emails before I blocked him, he just said, "I don't want to bother you. I just know how. I just want to know how you're doing. I love you. Please answer me." 
So I think he knew he was bothering me and he wanted to clarify that he did not want to bother me, (laughs) but he just needed me to answer him. So I don't know. I mean, I think he wanted me to say like, I'm single. Like, here's an invitation for you to like come back in my life. Who knows? I don't know. But so after that final phone call at 4 a.m. that woke both me and my boyfriend up, he told me, my boyfriend, Sean, told me, just change your phone number. Just go to AT&T tomorrow. Just change it. So I changed my phone number. I went into the AT&T store in the morning and I was really tired because I'd been woken up by my jackass ex-boyfriend several times. And I was just upset by the fact that I was being stalked by this illegal immigrant gang member. And... I walked into the store like bawling and this cute little guy behind the counter was like, it is unacceptable that your ex is stalking you. We're going to just change your number right away and I'm going to make sure to never reassign this number to anyone. They put it in like the kill file because sometimes your numbers are recycled after a year, I guess, but they will never recycle my number. And if they did, I feel so bad for that person because I feel like instead of the gang member tattoo he must have tattooed my old phone number to him himself <laughs> the fact that he knew it four years a- or three years after when i came back from study abroad that's crazy to me we were not on our phones usually i just check facebook on the app on my iphone but we were on my laptop in the kitchen wait at this point it's 2013 it's 2013 when yeah, this happens it's been three years since i changed my phone number and six years since i dated him Or maybe seven. I don't know. I can't really do math very quickly. But it's been a long time. And Facebook has a special feature that I'm sure all the listeners are going to go to right now. That that I told you about. Right. I didn't know about it. You told me there's a secret inbox that is on Facebook where all your junk messages go to. And I said, nah, because it's not on the phone app. It's just not there. You have one message inbox. And I showed you and you said, no, it's not there. Log in on your computer. And to clarify, it's not junk mail. It's just any, well, it's some junk mail, but it's anyone who Facebook messages you that doesn't have any mutual that doesn't have any friends in common with you their message automatically goes into this folder that you have to look for to find the message in i think it's literally called other messages there's messages and then there's other messages so i clicked on it and i looked down and there's mostly invitations to like parties from college but then i see several messages in spanish and i saw one from jimmy It was him. He had created a Facebook profile, which was, to me, an amazing feat given his level of literacy. And and also, I felt the same way about his ability to create a Gmail account and email me all those years ago. Because, like, literally, I used to type emails to his friends in El Salvador because he just couldn't do it himself. He just didn't get it. He didn't understand what a password was. He, He was just not literate. So... I was very surprised. I opened it. You were right next to me. And I think I got really mad because I had done everything to just keep him an ex, make him like, you know, not a part of my life anymore. I didn't matter at all. I'm I'm fine with the fact that I dated him. Clearly. I mean, I'm telling all the listeners, but I don't need to talk to him anymore. And the message he sent me, it was in Spanish and it was typed in sort of like, what, what do you call it when it's spelled out? Phonetically. It was spelled phonetically, so not even in proper Spanish. And it said, Andrea, you look so happy in your pictures. I'm so happy you're happy. I love you. Let's be friends on Facebook. <laughs> and he friended me. So when he friended me, I 
rejected it, but I didn't realize that he had sent me an actual private message. I just saw the friend request weeks, weeks earlier and was mad. And then I sent him to block. I blocked him. So I didn't think anything of it when he, when he friend requested me, but then I'm seeing that he's sending me these messages. So after I blocked him, he sent me another message that said, Hey, why did you block me? I love you. And then I guess because I blocked him, he could no longer message me. So he signed into his friend's Facebook account and she sent me a message that said, hello, this is Jimmy's friend. He wants to know why you blocked him. He loves you. (laughs) So I just got like furious. I think I roared like a visceral, angry roar and I blocked her. And since then, I have not heard from him. But that was not very long ago. That was like, I think, half a year ago or less. It's just like insane to me. I cannot imagine anyone else who dated a person who was at their equal in terms of socioeconomic status, literacy level, education level, family history, language ability, like someone who you can actually get to know on a deep, true level. Because I don't think we got, I got to know Jimmy on a deep, true level that you should get to know your significant other. I cannot imagine anyone else stalking their ex from seven years ago, the way he stalked me. That was Andrea speaking with her friend, radio producer, Lena Matizis. You can follow Lena on Twitter at LMatizis. That's L-M-I-S-I-T-Z-I-S. Thank you, Andrea, for sharing your story. Tell when I told the host of this show about Jimmy, like all of the things that I listed when you put them on paper are fucking insane. No, it is the biggest embarrassment of my life. And I hate saying that because since then, and I think before then, I don't regret anything. Like everything that happened in my life helped me grow or I learned from or I'm proud of. Well, first of all, I'm, I'm proud of. Or if not, then I've grown from it or I've learned something valuable. And so I can value those experiences. But this was just like a big black dumb cloud that I have literally erased from my memory until now. Because I don't need to learn anything from this because I hope to never be in that situation ever again with a person like that. question that uh, Andrea, host Andrea has written is what enabled you to put yourself in such an unsafe situation? But I want to start that with, did you believe that you were in an unsafe situation? And after that, say, what enabled you to put yourself in that unsafe situation? To me, it didn't feel unsafe when I first started seeing him. Um... If I could do it all over again, what would I have done to prevent this from happening to me? Because to me, I feel like this happened to me. This is like getting the plague. (laughs) Okay, this happened to me. What could I have done to have not, like, gotten this? Yeah, right? I don't know what it is. I really can't pinpoint why I started dating him. (laughs) 